Welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals for another Enemies of Sekiro episode. I'm Alex, and here with me is my co-host, Mimi. Yo. And uh, this week, we are going to talk about Sunken Valley. We're finally, we're going to go to the depths of where the water pools, and we are going to finally confront the guardian we find there. Everyone's favorite boss. Yeah, everybody's favorite boss. Definitely not a controller breaker. Definitely not where a lot of people put the game down for a while and come back to it a month later. Okay, so Sunken Valley, What? how do you feel about this area? What does it bring to mind for you? Old. Like I can feel cold, the, the chill in my extremities when I'm down there. Everyone knows that heat rises. Mm-hmm. So when you're in this valley... It feels like all the cold in Ashina is trapped down there. Mm. And there's not a lot of things living. Like there's not a lot of grass, not a lot of trees. So it really brings home this sort of, ooh, we're we're getting into this sort of barren, cold wasteland of Ashina. And it's interesting because usually you think of like the tops of mountains as the cold parts. But then you get here and it's like the lowest point of Ashina is the coldest point. Yes, absolutely. And if anybody's ever, you know, lived in a little valley, like they know when cold air settles. Oh, in, yeah. Ooh. You know, because I used to live in upstate New York, lake effect snow. Good. Forget it. Forget it. It is just so damn cold when you live in these little valleys next to the hills. It also feels like the population of really everything is very sparse. I guess it could remind you a little bit of like an Arctic, like an Antarctic sentiment where it's just like very few things can survive there. Survival of the fittest. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Whenever I hear Arctic or Antarctic, I think of one of my favorite movies, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, yeah. There isn't exactly a parallel here, but there is like a surprising moment uh, when you fight the boss that is very much like The Thing. And we'll we'll get there, obviously. So you said cold, but at first I thought you said old. Oh, it's old too. Yeah, that too. Because we have like the the gun fort that is inhabited by the snake clan. But then when we get down into the valley proper uh, that's inhabited by all of these monkeys, there's all these giant fucking Buddha statues. Someone erected them, but there's no one living in this valley. They're bodhisattvas because it's called the Bodhisattva Valley. Almost like there was, you know, it's not quite like Bloodborne with the Thumerians or anything, but the the huge statues unattended feels to me almost like there was something here before. There was a, a belief structure or even a civilization here uh, that's older than we get access to. I'm going to say most of them are probably a, an avatar of Guan Yin. We see Guan Yin a lot, like um the one in um Senpo. Mm-hmm. With the many, many arms, that's Guan Yin. And the one we see over the eight boss fight with the child, that's Guan Yin. It embodies a more maternal understanding of Guan Yin. Because um, mm-hmm. Guan Yin is usually just seen as like divine authority. Mm-hmm. She's considered the pinnacle of mercy, compassion, kindness, and love. She also has a spirit- spiritual connection to water. Okay, and we'll find that pooling down here. That's awesome. And like a good judge, you need both of those aspects, right? Like when a situation actually needs, you know, divine arbitration and punishment, you you need to be able to be stern. But also when something just needs uh, uh, nurturing and love and compassion, you need that side of you too. Right. All right. Well, let's 
talk about some of these enemies. Um, we've talked about some of them before, but we're, we're you know, recontextualize them a little in this environment. So we uh, defeat Genichiro. I mean, we could have done a lot of the things, but let's just say we defeat Genichiro. We jump down the tower uh, and then we run out the back. We pick up this poison stabby uh, uh, instrument for our prosthetic arm. And then uh, we run down, down, down. Uh, and all we encounter along the way is monkeys, which we're going to see a lot of. Uh, almost like this is their domain. Like from from when we step out the back of Ashina Castle all the way down to the bottom of the Sunken Valley where the water pools, we are going to see a lot of monkeys here. Yes, it is. it is monkey central down there. And interestingly enough, the further we go down, the... I don't know, the more sophisticated or the more human almost the monkeys uh, appear to us. Because right out the back of Ashina, it's only barehanded monkeys. They're not dressed. I don't think any of them have hats or weapons or anything. Just like the 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 um, real world embodiment of those, the terror monkeys we see in the Hall of Illusions. Mm-hmm. They're definitely in the cracks and crevices of Ashina though, because like we see them down when we're in the mist woods. Mm-hmm. including the ones that have like the hats and a little bit of human embodiment. Yeah, the ones who have formed a little commune with uh, the glutton. There. Yes, but we see more very variations and definitely a little more intelligence from them when we're in the Sunken Valley. Mm-hmm. So we we run past all these monkeys because how could you kill a bunch of unarmed monkeys? We run into our friend again uh, inside of this little shrine that overlooks the- oh, Totally not um, Ishin. Is that who you run into? <laughs> totally not Ishin. Totally yeah. not Ishin. <laughs> That's what Tengu stands for. Yes. Totally not Ishin. Yes. It's, it's spelled differently. Yes. Um, I don't even remember what he says to us here because this is, it's another opportunity to get the, uh, the Ashina uh, esoteric text yes. if you hadn't found him in the uh, gatehouse tower. But- is there anything special he says to you? Or is he just like, oh, Sekiro, I see you have been killing people. Good. Um, He definitely like starts coughing his lungs out. <laughs> so like there's, I think there's a piece of his mask. Yeah, there's his mask that you can find and there's blood all over the inside of his um mask, the Tengu mask. Oh, huh. So it's very like, ooh, uh, you Okay. He just kind of gives you a pat on the back, tells you good job, and um, but he gives you the the Mushin ex- esoteric text. It basically just talks about how um he's just trying to find find the strongest person to fight him, essentially, like just the mm. the need to get better and the need to gain strength. I mean, it's just a good insight to his character that oh yeah, he's trying to be the best, and to be fair, he kind of is the best. But obviously, later on, we we surpass him pretty hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which makes him very happy. Uh, but yeah, maybe an insight into how uh, obsessed he is with progress and power and victory. That like he is literally coughing up blood, but he's like, ooh, who can I fight? Who can I kill? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, we've talked about the good old days, so it's just very... It's just kind of a great insight to him uh, being uh, the sort of legendary figure. Um, but he's also like a human. 
Like he's mm. still a human being. He might be really overpowered and really good at what he does, but it's it's more it's a very like because he's also ser- technically searching for something like most everyone in this game. Um, but he's mm-hmm. searching more for power in the form of physical strength and finesse. It's probably why I likes Wolf so much because he's like, "Hey, you're strong. Maybe I'll fight you one day." <laughs> but not till you're ready. You'd never pluck a wolf before it's ready. Oh yeah. And maybe symbolically, you know, significant that the second time we find him here, it is uh, with these monkeys, right? Who are, they are playing. They are, you know, just living their life. They are unfettered by uh, society or the responsibilities of being a lord or anything. They're doing what Ishin wants to do. Like he just wants to play around essentially for one last time in his life. Also, more dead lone shadows. Mm, yes, of course. Cause he has been, ha- he's been partying. Like <laughs> he's not going to fight us yet, but that doesn't mean he hasn't been fighting people. Yeah. Good for him. Good, good for, good for Batman. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, we can tell him, see you later. I got to go jump off this cliff. Uh, you jump over to a much smaller shrine with a little eel liver. Yes, it has a little eel liver in it. Which I thought was a little strange because we don't encounter any lightning down here. So like, it's just an, I mean, you could just view it as an offering. Also, like considering lightning is a symbol of the divine, Mm -hmm. like offering it to, you know, whatever God lives in that shrine. Mm hmm. But it's interesting that it's all the fucking way over there. Like it's it's not you can't reach it unless you're literally wolf. Yes, there are. I I mean, I love the map. I love now that I'm familiar with things and I'm not just disoriented by moving in a 360 degree fashion because of the jumping and the uh, the uh, grapple hook. But there I do like the map. But there are a lot of places where you're like, well, if I don't have superhuman powers how am i supposed to traverse this like how do this snake clan people get from those lonely uh uh like outcroppings of rock they have to have like a grappling hook system or something like that Ooh, maybe they even have like special grappling hook ammunition where they can like oh, fire like a gun it from there. yeah <laughs> yeah Ooh. Because especially the um, uh, the snake eyes, uh, uh, Shirafuji and the other one, they have the kind of weapon that you could uh, load something into the end of like that. Maybe they ride the snake. <laughs> maybe they ride the snake. Got a very close relationship with the snake. Yeah, maybe they ride the snake home. It's like taking the bus. Oh, the snake comes by at 6.30. Yes. So we got to wrap yep. this up. Shift change. Okay, time to go home. <laughs> I think that considering kind of the area that it's in, which Mm -hmm. is away from everything else, sometimes you have gods or a kami that you don't want close to you. Ah, so you make offerings to be like, hey, we respect you, but please stay away from our village. Some, uh, you know, so, so you have like a lot of shrines in Japan that are very famous. Like you have Fushimi Inari, but you might see certain objects or shrines that are very technically not good. So I'll give you an example. The Seshoseki, which is the killing stone, is in Nasu. And it is a rock that is supposed to hold a evil spirit 
called Tamamo no Mai. She's a nine-tailed fox. Oh, okay. She occupied the stone. And up until very recently, the stone was kind of corded off. And it's kind of in this very volcanic region. It's split in half in 2022. Very recently. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. They they actually, it's split completely in half, which is terrifying. Just apropos of nothing, just like yeah, it's just split the fucking half. It is just in half now, and of course they they literally called in the priests and were Mm -hmm. like, we people were terrified of it. So it's it's not like technically a good thing, Mm -hmm. but it's still treated with respect. Um, so that's that's just one example, but that's not technically like a whole shrine system. But you you get the picture. So so is the nine-tailed fox loose now on the world? We don't know. Okay. It's just a bad omen. Yes. All right. Well, there is this tucked away uh, shrine with a, a eel in it. Uh, so maybe to keep something away rather than to invite it into Ashina. But as we continue down the path, we have to grapple hook, grapple hook, grapple hook. We can find a couple of snake clan just riflemen on the way. But this is also where uh, uh, you're guaranteed to see for the first time you can find them in a couple of other places but i want to talk about them here uh because this is the place where they're like directly on your path you can't ignore them uh we find our lizards for the game these like giant you know they remind me of geckos but they're more like monitor lizard size i mean i think they're just little goobers (laughs) they're like they're pretty harmless unless they kind of really get you in a bad spot between you and another enemy Mm -hmm. but they're not too bad they remind me of oh god where are these things? they look like basilisks mm. um the 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 real life basilisk um in terms of like their wrinkly self they don't have the um sails on the back but hold on <laughs> jesus christ okay. i was like yeah isn't like the basilisk called the jesus christ lizard and it is because <laughs> he oh that's the water running yes. lizard with the frills nice yes, yeah, but they're like, they're sort of gecko-y. They're not like complete geckos. They have gecko hands and, and gecko eyes. So I'm assuming they're kind of um, modeled off of geckos. They actually, there is a gecko native to Japan called uh, Schlegel's Japanese Gecko. And they're called Yamori. But they're they're native to Japan. Interestingly enough, they're on the mainland mm-hmm. and in the, in the south. They're on Honshu and they're on Kyushu. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're cool. They um, they're just little dudes. <laughs> one of yeah. them, and this one specifically spits poison. Okay, yeah. There's the, these are the green variety, and then there's another, a white variety that we can find in only in Fountainhead, yes. right? Yes. Uh, but these green variety, you can find them in various places throughout Ashina. Uh, but there is uh, there's a few places you can find them in, uh, here in the Sunken Valley. Um, yeah, okay, so they spit poison at you, but otherwise, they don't, like, bite or anything. They don't have any attacks besides the poison cloud, right? I think it's just the poison cloud. Okay. And you can, they're one of the few enemies that you can just jump and get an instant death blow on, which I think is, that was a very nice from software thing. Because it can, they are little, so it can be hard to just, like, run them down. But, uh, uh, if you jump, you can just end it right there. So we sneak through these uh, uh, these cliff sides, the this uh, uh, very claustrophobic uh, uh, mountain pass, and we come across uh, some uh, uh, snake clan that are stationed 
at the edge of this uh, gun fort. Uh, there's just like a few riflemen and there's one of the scattershot guys, the big shotgun guys there. And there's also a, a dead or dying uh, assassin yes. right next to yes. them, um, which I can't remember what the dying assassin says to you, but I'm sure it's just some like, hey, if you want to get through here, you might want to have an unbreakable umbrella hat. True. What the, I actually don't. I also don't remember what he says. <laughs> you don't like I don't even fight those guys now. I don't bother getting the uh, what do you call it? The sculptor's idol there. I just run and jump and. Oh, I, I just run. I just run, get the sculptor's idol because it's just a good checkpoint. If you get your butt kicked by Shira Fuji. Yeah. Who's another person that now I don't uh, what do you call it? Um, unless it's a new game and I really want the prayer bead. I don't even fight Shira Fuji. Oh, I just like beating her up because she's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> you can bully her real bad. Like, obviously, these bosses are, or those mini bosses are very difficult uh, to dodge the um, the grab attack. But you you can bully her real bad because you just picked up the Sabimaru to poison her with. Uh, but you can also light her on fire, use firecrackers, pocket sand. There's all sorts of ways to just put her in a corner. Okay, yeah, so we take this big leap and we jump up and we get to her. Is there anything specific about her? Because we talked about her uh, counterpart in the uh, the poison pool in the Ashina Depths. But is there anything specific or, or special about this Shirafuji, this uh, snake eyes? I think it's interesting that she has like a whole little camp there. Mm. Like she's kind of just hanging out. You know, she's not on edge and patrolling like Shirahagi. She's kind of just waiting. Mm. also she's technically like the vanguard so she well okay if you run past her you get instantly get assailed by like a million guns that are actually pretty good <laughs> they're actually pretty good at aiming like they i've gotten i've definitely gotten shot multiple times yeah but she's kind of in this area she's got like a little fire she's got a little bedroll so she's out there probably quite like for a while that's that's just kind of what I find unique about her. Is she's sitting, kind of waiting for you. Um, but it's more of a, you know, they're not really expecting anyone, but at the same time, they will like they will protect. They are kind of on guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I found what the assassin says. Oh yeah. Uh, he just talks about how the gun fort was even more formidable than they'd heard, than they were prepared, and he says he can hear the Senpo Temple bell, meaning that it was a Senpo assassin. Oh. So a goddamn rat. It's a rat. Well, that's very interesting. I never noticed that she has a little camp, but it makes sense. Like when you come across her, when you come up to fight her, she's sitting. I think she gets up to uh, uh, confront you. Yes, to kick your ass. Yes. And it makes sense. She's just sitting on this outcropping. Like maybe she goes home at night, but maybe she just like stays out there for a a day or a few days at a time and just watches for uh, intruders. And and. It is uh, different than the fight in the poison pool because that one, she is like covered from all angles. Uh, This one has uh, sniper support. It has uh, long range fire support. But when you fight her close up face to face, it's just her. Yes. Also, she is right under a Bodhisattva statue. Oh, oh, I never noticed that. Really? Yes. I'm not sure if that could mean anything or not. It definitely kind of feels like, and this is just like theorizing, that she's the main protector of the area. 
Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you're under her watchful eye. Yeah. Well, and uh, in terms of just the 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 backdrop, the area they're in, mm-hmm. uh, both of them are right next to or right under a bodhisattva. Right. And even though these places, is there a way you can get from one to the other from Sunken Valley no. to Ashinadeps? No. Well, okay. So they are physically separated, but they're both inhabited by the snake clan. And thematically, we have these bodhisattva statues in both of them. Um, So, like, it could be speaking to that maybe these bodhisattvas were carved by the snake clan, or maybe just the snake clan, uh, they are worshipping the bodhisattvas or or the snake itself. They are uh, doing this old school religious practice as opposed to Ashina, which under the, the influence of Genichiro has uh has uh uh what do you call it switched to a more shinto uh more modern kind of thing right okay so we either make short work of her we bully her to death she's easy to bully i mean to be honest they're they're all they're both technically easy to bully and shirahagi specifically can get friendly fired by her associates which is funny uh, yeah, I like attacking her after I've gotten the puppeteer because I like getting two of the cannon guys uh, in the second setup you can uh, uh, approach her from. Um, I like getting two of the cannon guys to just start firing on her. Okay, so we bully her. We go around the backside of her little uh, rock outcropping, which like, wow, are those interesting looking. I know they're just video gamey. They're just, you know, platforms, but... They're just like a solid pillar rising hundreds of feet from the valley below. Uh, And then we assault the main gun fort. Yes. So it's the same enemies we've fought before. It's mostly the riflemen because they're great snipers. Uh, As you're running across the bridge and trying to scale the cliffs, uh, if you're not moving fast enough, uh, uh, they can kill you because they'll shoot you mid-jump and you'll just fall into the valley and not get a chance to resurrect. It's kind of awesome. It's one of those things where you have to be crafty about your jumping and your timing and where you're hiding. So if you just go in all willy nilly, especially if you don't like attempt to strafe, they're going to still get you. Mm-hmm. You almost kind of have to get, do a little counting um, where it's, you know, you got to wait for the one that could probably kill you to shoot and then you can jump. But at the same time, like you can always risk just winging it. Yeah, because you're, gosh, I think you're faster than any, maybe like Armored Core games, but I think in this game, you're faster than any other from software protagonist. Oh, yeah. No, you're, you're, you're zippy. Yeah. But there you go. Like, take a lesson from the Snake Clan. You know, they have these very sharp eyes. Scout out your surroundings. Look at the vantage points before you just jump from treetop to treetop or branch to branch. Yeah, we also, oh, also great time to bring up uh, seasons again. Senpo was fall and Hirata was summer and here we are in winter. Yeah, and it's a little bleak. There's not much living or growing, but it is beautiful. Like, you know, you're taking gunfire, so you kind of just want to run. But if you take a look at the gun fort itself, gosh, it is carved into this mountainside. There, it's It's beautifully snow dusted, but it's just this intricate, uh, uh, honeycomb of uh, uh, vantage points. Yeah, it's very organic. It's probably one of the more organic places we visit outside of probably probably Mibu. But Mibu is like a whole village. It just was built around the thing. But it, it definitely feels the most organic to me because it's just 
people who decided to live around well they decided to live in it rather than build on it yes they're very much almost part of the landscape right and and they even have good uh, uh camouflage for it they have these muted brown uh coats and then all of their wrappings are white so they can blend in with the snow very cool yeah so they're very much a part of this place they're living in in concert with the land Okay, so we can find, we can we fight a bunch of riflemen. We can find a couple of the scatter shots up there too. And I think this is the only place where we'll see a unique uh, sentry or old maid yes. enemy. She's just like an elderly woman in the snake clan. Like She's she, got hair. She, You can see her hair. She's got hair hanging out of her cap. It's white, obviously, because she's older, mm-hmm. but... Um, she's more bundled than everyone else. Aw, little babushka. Um, she's also carrying a nu- one of those um the staff. She's the shakujo. She's carrying one of those heads of the brass heads of the Buddhist staff. So does the other one, like the one you see in Ashina Castle, and it's more of like an alert thing. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard these things when they're jangled, but it, it's a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. So not only is she a sentry, but it might mark her as a, a priestess or a holy woman within the clan. Possibly. Hmm. Okay. She's got still got great eyesight, but she may be a little old to fire a gun at this point. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. As an aside, the old maid in the Ashina Castle, the mm-hmm. the enemies up there, that's um that's Buddhist nun attire. Ah. So that's also another point to like, oh yeah, they could be religiously involved. I see. So they may also be holy women as well. So a- another reason to feel bad about killing them, or another reason to kill them, depending on your proclivities. Yeah. They do seem coordinated and well set up to defend this place, uh, which is cool because, you know, this is where they live. So great evocative uh, enemy placement uh, from software. Uh, Okay, so we go into the the fortified, you know, uh, uh, wood built uh, uh, gun fort proper. And inside there, more caverns. It's a kind of a honeycomb. You can find another prayer bead in there. I think you can find more geckos in there. But mostly we find it's infested with centipedes uh, that we also find in Sempo, um, who have adorned themselves with the trappings of the centipede and complete with another one of their leaders. We find the long arm centipede Girafu. Mm-hmm. Now, I know Acer Aesthetic has covered this before, but Girafu is like a weird translation, right? It's like a translation of Kirin, maybe? Yes, a giraffe is just like a really, really rough translation. Obviously, it's not actually giraffe because they don't. <laughs> back then, they didn't even know what a giraffe was. Yeah, but Kieran, talk to me about Kieran. What exactly are Kieran? Oh, God, Kieran are just they're very you can almost kind of attribute them to like Chinese unicorns, but they're very different. Mm-hmm. Um, They're mythological beings um, it's a maned creature with the torso of a deer and oxtail with the hooves of a horse. It's the Karen is one of the rarest, most awesome and powerful creatures ever known in East Asia. They're not synonymous with just Japan. They're actually just very synonymous with East Asian mythology. Um, mm. and they're typically considered their own god. And they're they're like close cousins of dragons. Yeah, I could see that. There's like scales to them depicted sometimes. Sometimes they have this rainbow pattern on the back of them. Uh, they fly, right? Yeah, mm, it's more like um. Okay, Th- 
think of the forest spirit in Princess Mononoke. Ah, okay. Because it's supposed to be, it can be, or can be synonymous with nature because it never mm-hmm. eats the flesh of other beings and it never treads on any living, th- living thing. So it's, it's supposed to be a very, like a good symbol. Um, and if you have a Kieran in your area, that means that you're you have good land. Like you're the people are benevolent, the rulers are are enlightened and good. They will attack when threatened. They breathe holy fire from their mouths. Fascinating. Okay, so it's it's almost like a strange translation within the the reality of the game because like Kieran and Giraffe is almost like this you know game of telephone. Yeah, and and originally in Chinese it's it's Chilin Chilin. And uh, in Japanese, it's Kieran, so. Um, And I can definitely see, looking at depictions of Kieran, I could definitely see how someone would call a giraffe a Kieran uh, because they do have those little almost horns on the tops of their heads. So this guy, not much like a giraffe or or a Kieran, but like he has taken this name as the leader of these centipedes. This is the only one that you have to fight uh, and in a very cramped arena that makes it, you know, nowhere to run. You really need to learn how to deflect his attacks or he's just going to, you know, make Swiss cheese of you every time. Did you have a lot of trouble with this guy? No, or did you just <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Once you get the rhythm, it's not hard. Another opponent who I was like, God damn it, I'll never beat him. Really? And then figured out the trick. Well, yeah, I didn't like I didn't realize that I could just tap uh, block fast enough that it would mostly deflect his attacks. We should talk about the room that he's in. Okay, yeah. Tell me about the room he's in. Um, it's got a big Buddha. It's got a big Buddha in the center with a snake and the the fan. Um, it has the large fan, which is the it's made of dyed red Japanese aralia leaves. And it says divine abduction through an eight-handed fan once is fine, but twice and you'll never return. If abducted, we'll head to Mount Congo at Sempo Temple. We'll perform virtuous deeds. And it's supposed to spirit away whoever it catches. So so it unlocks the divine abduction prosthetic tool. Uh, Right, which is, uh, we talked about a little bit, I think, but doubly useful against Sempo monks because they've already been spirited away once. And this spirits them away twice, which means they're gone. They will never return. Yes. I think that it's funny that the final upgrade, the golden vortex, just like steals shit from people. <laughs> but, and and it money. says, it says to be considered with quotes, donations. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, wow, that's really <laughs> church shit going on right now. Um Another interesting thing is like, obviously you see the Buddha with the snake, but it's in the sunken valley. So it makes sense that it's there, but that's not the only Buddha statue we see with a snake. The other thing that's interesting is if you look on the slats on the windows, you'll see owl feathers. Oh dear. And it looks like they've been kind of smashed in there. Very interesting. So maybe owls been down this way. I think maybe in the past, um, because mm-hmm. don't we learn that owl took the the branch from the ever blossom? So he could have done his research on trying to find a way to Fountainhead, mm. but he couldn't get past. He couldn't get past it, which is very strange. But um, you you do get the key to the second half of the Sunken Valley from Kudo. 
and you won't be able to get mm-hmm. it until obviously you beat Genichiro. So, so mm-hmm. that's that's locked until you beat Genichiro. Yeah, what an interesting room. And I never thought about the it's a statue with a snake. And obviously, we just fought a mini boss that was a, a bodhisattva statue with a snake clan lady in front of it. Uh, so up and down, it's all snakes and gods. Okay, cool. Well, we we defeat this unicorn centipede man. And then just outside of the room is snake! Fucking snake again. Uh, we find a nice bridge. We're like, thank goodness, a nice rickety bridge to 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 just walk to the next area. I don't have to grapple. And of course, nope, here's that snake. And this is the snake that we we took the eye of, right? Yes. I, I think it's a great shot. Cinematically, it's mm-hmm. a great shot when you're going right across the bridge and this thing just kind of pulls up and and strikes at you. That's cool. I I thought I think that's a great setup. Obviously, if you go to Mibu first, it's a walk in the park because you can just go under the water and avoid it. Oh, yeah. But if you don't, it's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he has it out for you now because you're in his territory. You're in its territory again. And you're also in it's probably in the the its real home. Like, you know, because that the valley that we visit, you know, it's not too far down there, but it's still you know, part of the quote unquote home of the snake. Mm-hmm. But this is like, you're in the belly of the beast right now. You're really in it. You basically you just kicked in his door mm-hmm. and, and are invading his property. Hey, I just killed your number one acolyte. Are you, are you, are you, cool? are you angry about that? Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> you, you're also going around killing uh, acolytes who probably still practice this religion. So I think it's a pretty sentient being. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think when you got into the palanquin, it like sidled up to it because it was like, oh, an offering. Oh, yeah. Man, I haven't had one of these in years. Yeah, exactly. And then what does it get for its troubles? Sword to the eye. And then you come in and you've killed most of the people that still give it offerings. So like now it's war. Like you are, you know, intentionally or not starving this old god of Ashina because like, the snakes are very much, you know, the the dragon we think of as kind of this embodiment of the high points of Ashina or something because it is at the top there of Fountainhead, which is where Ashina's providence comes from. But like the snakes are very much a part of Ashina too, like a, a, a an older, more primordial part of it. And we are just like, you don't directly have to kill them. You know, it's a side quest. But even if we don't, directly kill them we are like killing all of their followers and starving them to death potentially and the land itself is not doing so hot people are dying Mm. the blood and souls of the dead are polluting the land it's just it's not good to be a god right now Mm -hmm. you can draw parallels to dark souls where the dragon is the new religion, which is haha hilarious if we're technically comparing to Dark Souls. But the <laughs> the snakes were the old religion, so you know it's kind of like uh, the dragon is Gwyn and the snakes are dragons. So it's just mm-hmm. it's just it's completely good. It's a very good parallel where the old religion was s- not not snuffed out entirely, but definitely damaged to the point of no return. Where you know, things are technically surviving, but it's not thriving. Mm-hmm. Also interesting that snakes 
uh, notoriously cold-blooded creatures uh, that need heat and sunlight to sustain them are stuck in a cold, almost sunless valley that, you know, is not even close to what real snakes would need. But I guess because they're different, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I I assume because they're divine, they can survive, but... It's not ideal. It's not ideal. Yeah, it's not ideal. It's not where they're from because they're originally, they originally inhabit Fountainhead, which would be a very nice, you know, temperate climate for them. It's the top of the top of a mountain as opposed to the very bottom bottom of a mountain. These poor snakes. <laughs> I do feel bad for them. I feel bad for killing them. The unfortunate part, I don't know if this was ever a part of like, oh, it was patched, but um, I would really enjoy it if you could. So if you go to Senpo and you try to jump on their head, like the, the snakes had to kill it mm-hmm. without going to the Sunken Valley first, it won't be there. But you have to open the door and have it attack you and then you can go to Senpo and and attack it. I wish you could though, because that would make, but I guess that would make it really easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that's a kind of a cool thing because you opening this door and killing the, especially you killing Shirafuji, maybe that's what brings the snake back down here to be like, hey, 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 what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you just took my eye up top. Like now you're down in my home. Uh, and bef- unless you do that and really get its attention, it's not there down in the valley for you to kill from that vantage point in Sempo. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we we skirt our way past uh, the the snake. We don't kill him right now because we're not in Sempo. Uh, we ascend a little gorge into another part of the sunken valley, and that's where it opens up into this like valley valley proper just full of these bodhisattvas. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Just wall to wall giant statues. I think it's I think it's just such an amazing area. It feels like you're mm-hmm. really really entrenched in just like the, a very mysterious place. Mhm. But it's very gorgeous and p- picturesque. Um you're finally seeing a little bit of color, just a little bit um, you're seeing like maple trees and you're seeing flowers and you're, see- you know, it's, but these things, the fact that they're there, it's like, who the fuck put those there in such <laughs> a strange place? It's such an, and it's very like abandoned. Like there's no one there, but like literally one guy. It's just, it's a very beautiful, picturesque place that makes you feel a little small. Yes. Because it feels to me like history, like there. this is the past of Ashina that was buried almost in this valley. It's forgotten. Yes. You said there's one guy. There's a guy here? Yeah, the memorial mob. Oh, and also, oh my gosh, and also the old lady. Mob. Also the old lady. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, so we could just take the critical path and find all of the monkeys and go uh, at our boss here. But let's let's divert real quick because this is where we can encounter the second snake, right? Yes. You'll go down into an even, even deeper. <laughs> and there's poison. It's another poison swamp. Hooray, hooray. Mm-hmm. Connecting those two areas thematically, yep. at least. <laughs> another poison swamp. But there is a old lady. Let's let's we'll talk about the old lady really quickly because she she will tell you that the fruits of the serpent. There are two kinds. One is fresh. 
the other one is dried. Dried the mm-hmm. dried fruit is over there, past the poison swamp, down the nest. That's where you'll find it. So she directs you down. You know, you go past a memorial mob and you enter this really dark cave. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God Wolf has night vision, built in, built in <laughs> night vision. You encounter the weirdest an- uh, enemy in the game that has like no fucking lore. Like I cannot find shit on these guys. I think they're just straight out of Dark Souls they're 2. Weird. And someone just loved them and was like, can, can we put them back in the game, please? I love these little wall spirits. The rock guys. divers, they're just very strange. Their proportions are strange. I don't know. They're just, I don't know how to describe them besides like kind of annoying. You can avoid them pretty easily though. Yes. They, they, Confound me a little bit because they are spirits, right? They're like incorporeal. They come out of these rocks, which one, I can't tell whether it's supposed to be, whether they're supposed to be like the spirit of the rock of the place. It says, now it says here, these foes are permanently encased within a single spot of a wall. Okay. So it means that they could be, could have been people at one point, but they're permanently in there. Um, we can look at what they drop, which is scrap magnetite. And scrap magnetite just says magnetic or mind in Ashina. Uh, forging with magnetite produces a hard steel, a precious commodity in Ashina. Bedrock offering up this ore is constantly mined out, making it a rare one at that. I wonder if there are people who are just permanently fucking stuck there for mm-hmm. one way or another. They're in that snake nest, though. and And it's interesting that Ashina is kind of lauded as like, yeah, it's not great land, doesn't have the best iron, and honestly, neither does the whole of Japan. So finding Mm -hmm. sort of this bedrock of scrap magnetite, and you you find it naturally around the sunken valley, so it makes sense that possibly they could be people who are in there mining for scrap magnetite, um, and they could be associated with the sunken valley clan, but I, I really don't know. Because they're just, mm. they're so strange. They also carry antidote powder. They'll drop, they'll drop antidote power, powder. Really? Yes. I mean, I, I think they have it for the purpose of the fact that they're right next to a poison swamp. Um, magnetic deposits are found in the sunken valley, but the place is dangerously toxic. Antidote powder is essential for anyone attempting to mine the ore. So they could just be like fucked up miners. Oh, so maybe people who went down to mine the ore and just died. Uh, they were either eaten by the snake or succumbed to the poison. Either that or they're alive and they're just weird. The one with the rock. Yeah, one with the rock. Uh, but what I find confounding about them is that they are... Uh, incorporeal, which I bet there was a ver- like a-, a build of the game or a version of talking about th- like designing them where it took divine confetti to properly dispatch them. But then maybe someone was like, ah, are we really going to make people use divine confetti just to just to take out these little uh, uh, rock people who are going to be super surprising the first time you see them? Yeah, because they're just they're very unique to that one small area. Mm hmm. But also, they're incorporeal, right? So I've, you can still affect them. They can still affect you. But they have a thrust attack, which you can Makiri counter. Yes. Which, like, affecting them with your blade, them affecting you with their blade, that I'm willing to, you know, uh, uh, fudge my logic a little bit there. But I can physically step on their sword as they thrust it at me. Very strange choice. It's a little spear. 
Oh, is it spears? I thought that some of them had swords. No, is it all spears? I think it's all spears. Okay. So we dealt with these rock divers, uh, but past them, there is the other fucking snake. There are allusions to two snakes in Ashina. Um, and I think that's just, I think we talked about that before. It's, this is an old Asian, I think Chinese origin uh, fairy tale of these two gods, this green snake and white snake. Right. So we find a second snake, which may not be apparent if you haven't been looking for other stuff. Like it, you could imagine that it's just the same snake, but we can go kill the other snake in Sempo. And if we do, this one is still here. So obviously there are two different snakes. Is there anything different or unique about the snake? I think it uses the same model. Yes. So I don't know that there's anything aesthetically different. I like the build up to it where you just kind of start seeing like parts <laughs> of the snake. So you're like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you just like sneak under coils yep. of it or yes. over coils of it. And you're yep. like, oh, God damn it. The snake is here, too. Yep. And then you puppeteer the very scared monkey to distract it. And you go get your dried serpent viscera. Mm-hmm. That's the age jerky. That's the good Ew. stuff. <laughs> Gross. Well, cuz you get the you get the fresh serpent viscera from the first snake you find with the missing eye. And you jump down from Sempo. You jump down into the sunken valley. Yes, and you stab him and then like very fashionably like spin in the air and slice it open. Um, oh my gosh, you just Oh, it's, like, can we talk about that death animation? Yeah, it's cool. You start at the nostril uh -huh. and you just cut your way up the head. It is. Oh, it's cool. Like, I, I think it's a great character animation and they, they definitely made it unique and memorable enough to be like, wow, what a graceful little ballerina. Wolf is. <laughs> um, so the the fresh the fresh serpent viscera has the item description of the great serpent is considered to be a god of the land and the heart is believed to where the one spirit resides while shape bears similarity to persimmon in fact this is the red viscera of a god it is safe to assume that eating it would be poisonous to one's health so like flesh of the divine in mythology mm -hmm. you don't want to eat it especially in japan it, it's cursed it's considered cursed um you don't want to eat it bad things happen when you eat divine flesh so that's very much what it's talking about and then the dried serpent viscera which you find in the shrine with another buddha snake statue mm -hmm. um a dried persimmon like heart of a great serpent the great serpent is a god of this land and the heart is believed to be where one spirit resides while it looks much like a persimmon in fact this is a red viscera of a god apparently denizens of the sunken valley worship the organs believing they represent the deity itself so this is from mm. a different snake so there was at one point more than one more than two maybe three snakes. maybe three so it's one of those things where objects associate this is this is very common in shintoism objects that were supposedly the possession or a part of a deity are worshipped or even you know where it says the great serpent is god of the land and the heart is believed to be where one spirit resides the whole god lives there that is mm -hmm. a part of the god therefore it's to be revered like one mm -hmm. so it's just interesting that you find this dry one because that implies that there might have been another one. <laughs> it could have been many. 
Yeah, uh, could have been many. Also could speak to the divine nature of these things that maybe, uh, you know, a normal snake would shed its skin, as obviously these ones do. We see their skin all over, but maybe a divine one would eventually shed all physicality, like, uh, uh, you know, piece by piece. Well, the fact that it's dead is like, okay, it can be killed. And in Japanese mythology, gods technically could be killed. Mm. They'd just be a property of the underworld, Yomi. You know, it doesn't work like normal divinity. It's kind of like, okay, yes, there are God, but we can also kill this, kill said God, which actually comes back in Elden Ring mm-hmm. with like um, Godwin. Like you could, he was killed, but he's still like, he still has like quote unquote divine flesh that's just festering now. Oh, I never thought about that. It's very much like that. Uh, the two creator gods, the myth of the the feminine aspect dies and goes to the underworld. Oh yeah, right? Izanagi and Izanami. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because her flesh rots when she's down there. Right. She's still like eternal and and divine, but she now belongs to that underworld. Yes, but that's that's kind of where it's technically like divine flesh, but with Izanami, <laughs> she's kind of gross. <laughs> They're her. <laughs> She's, I shouldn't say that. That's not nice. Um, She's just, you know, she's rotting and she looks like a corpse. And she, meanwhile, her husband is fine because he's not actually dead. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a, there's a very similar, uh, there's a very similar myth in uh, Sumerian mythology, which is uh, Arishkagal. Yes. Um, There's an, Anana is the Mm kind of lady of heaven. She's like the high priestess of the heavens. And then there's her sister, uh, oftentimes, not really like symbolically, not really her sister, really like her mirror, her shadow self. And she's the 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 high priestess, the goddess of the underworld. And when Inanna goes down to reach her, you know, she's colored blue like a corpse. Um, and she's very much that like she's rotting, but still divine. Mm-hmm. Ishtar. It's just another aspect of Ishtar. Man, we should talk uh, religion or, you know. Yeah, we should have a religion episode. I love talking about religion. That's so so fascinating. The, the, the similarities you find. Also, 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 isn't, isn't the myth surrounding Rish Kigal, isn't that like a a trans allegory? Oh, it, it, it very much can. It's like Inanna entering the underworld. She dies in the underworld. She's like hung from a, a, a hook, like meat rotting. Her um, servants come and and advocate for her and ask for her back and like kind of call Arishkagal out on a technicality. But uh, she comes out of the underworld a changed being, right? And this, it can definitely be seen, uh, uh, can be experienced as that trans allegory. It's very similar to um, Odin's transformation when he uh, sacrifices himself to himself and comes out of the underworld with like this new being, this new knowledge. But yeah, um, it it's often been used as an allegory for childbirth. Mm-hmm. You know, you you go down into this dark place, you experience all of this transformative pain and body horror, and then you come out with a new life. Like not only a child, but like you as a person have irrevocably changed from this traumatic uh, uh, experience. That happens in... Um... Iza, Izanami and Izanagi's myth. Oh, please. Well, we're talking about it right now. So give me a little rundown real quick. So what ends up happening is that, you know, after after Izanagi decides to leave, he takes mm-hmm. a bath to purify himself. 
And from his eye comes the three, the big three gods, uh, Amaterasu, uh, Tsukuyomi, and Suzanowo. Mm-hmm. So that's another sort of birth thing going on. There's a great video by Overly Sarcastic Productions about these different underworld myths that I can't recommend enough. I would love, yeah, let, uh, uh, if you send me a link, I can uh, include it in the uh, show notes. Yeah, Asushunamir, that's what I'm talking about with the trans allegory, where like they're going to be ostracized for life. So that's that's the that's a sort of trans category. Um, if oh, you're yes. if you're gender non-binary, you're magic and and Ishtar loves you. So <laughs> but anyways, OK, no, that's great. Uh, so so is a Nagi is the male God. Yes. right? And then male is creator. Nami is the female. God. Yes. So she dies for some reason. She dies giving birth to Kaganotsuchi, which um, is the God of Fire. <laughs> Ah, literally burns, okay. literally burns her to death. Interesting. Okay, and then Izanagi goes down into the underworld to try to retrieve her because they're betrothed, or they're, they're, they're married. They're, they're brother couple, and right? sister, and they're married. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, incest often the realm of divinity and royalty. That do be how it do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but he goes down into the underworld to try to retrieve her, and he finds that she doesn't want to go right like she is she is not the same being that he went after because she's from this underworld experience irrevocably changed mm-hmm. and if i remember correctly she's like going down into the underworld dying she kind of takes over right like that becomes yes, her she's, realm she's the goddess of the underworld the kami kami of the underworld she is technically still creator like the creator deity but she's also the deity of death. It's interesting because a lot of the times you'll also hear that Japanese royalty is related to gods, Amaterasu specifically. Um, mm-hmm. So she is also related to Japanese <laughs> Japanese royalty. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it says Izanami uh, told, because he sealed the underworld with a rock, um, that she would destroy a thousand residents of the living every day. And he said he would give life to 1500 residents every day. Ah, okay. Uh, which explains uh, population growth. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, I think I'm a big fan of Izanami. She sounds like a fucking cool person. Very Arishkagal. All right. So we, we get this dried serpent viscera. We have tricked the snake uh, we have gotten past its defenses and and stolen this divine treasure who we're going to use both of the serpent visceras. I guess we acquire both of them in the Sunken Valley. Yes. And we're going to use them for a, a side quest with the divine child that unlocks one of the endings, right? Right. Okay. Oh, that's interesting because we we give them to the divine child and the divine child goes through this like painful transformation almost. Uh, that we don't, we're not privy to it. Behind, we hear her struggling behind a closed yeah, door. Yep. And that's what makes her ready to transport Kuro as this almost motherly, like reverse birth, like impregnation kind of a thing. And then she also um, ha- gives you the frozen tears, uh, which is what we use to prepare Kuro for this, yes. this journey. Um, mm. and it just says they are but frozen drops by having Kudo drink both the dragon's tears and frozen tears. 
the cradling ritual can be performed. Cold dragon tears are just that. So that kind of tells you that she is now no longer just the divine child. She's a a crate like a sort of cradle. And you'd think that something that can hold a a divine heir, or basically uh, an aspect of the divine dragon, would need to be like a vet, like a proper vessel. Mm-hmm. And so that's why she has to have her own little underworld journey. Yes, and also eating the flesh of gods brings you closer to them, but it also curses you real hard. She also gives you the fine snow. The cold sweetens the rice. Rice is mm. indeed precious. The flavor grows richer and richer, raising one's spirits higher than ever. It's interesting that it's cold. Why is that? Well, cold's associated with death. Uh-huh. Um, you could also point to like a cold divinity, because um, not all gods are benevolent. They're more on the cold side. Also, she's blind. She loses her vision. Wait, really? Yeah, it's implied that she has no, like, she, Wolf points out her, her eyes. Like, what's wrong, essentially what's wrong with her eyes? Oh. Um, so she loses her vision. Probably went blind from eating all that god flesh. Right, right, right. And often, you know, priestesses uh, associated with uh, uh, having divine vision, you know, uh, uh, there's an association with losing your physical sight. Yes. Oh, fascinating. I had no idea. I, I, I've I've done that ending, you know, once at least, but I had no idea how intricate the storytelling there is. Okay, well, we uh, like Inanna, like um, Isa uh, Nagi, uh, we have to come out of the underworld so we we leave this uh uh, the serpent's resting place this divine home and we find our way back into the valley proper and that's where we encounter just so many monkeys they are living among the statues and there's one spot where we even find just like 20 of them congregated yeah the three the three fps monkeys the the what? The three FPS monkeys, because there's so many of them. <laughs> the game can't handle them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. They're just they're fucking there. It's almost like they're holding court or or like it's a, a real society of monkeys down here. Yes. And not only do we find them, you know, congregating and uh defending the place, but we also find a unique variety of monkey. I think there's only correct me if I'm wrong, I think there's only one of them in the game. There's the double katana wielding white-haired monkey. There's two of them actually, but the the okay. the the one you see, you don't see the the other one until the very end of the game. Um, but this one is the the elder monkey, old old monkey. You could kind of see that um, it's white and it has like a long beard, so you could kind of say, oh yeah, it's it's an older monkey. Mm-hmm. He's got two swords. Um, and he's going to beat the shit out of you with them. <laughs> and he fucking will. He's wearing a loincloth. Very sophisticated. He's very human-like. But um, mm-hmm. this kind of points to... So we'll, we'll talk about very... Brief, we'll, we'll talk about um, Kingfisher and uh, Orangutan. How they were... Suppo- they supposedly trained in that area. I trained in the techniques of the shinobi in the valley where the monkeys dwelled. There were two of us. We were rogue shinobi. There was no proper master for the likes of us. That's why we went to the valley. To run, to jump, to clash swords. 
Where one slip would mean your doom. That was how we trained. We came to move exactly as monkeys did after a time. They basically learn how to survive. Like, it, and, and the sculptor says you either survived or you didn't. Both of them trained in the valley. And it's kind of like, who did they learn from? Did they learn from the monkeys or did the monkeys learn from them? Mm. That's the weird one. But I, I don't know. He, it, It's just a very human monkey. And it might attest to its age with how human it is, where it's it's kind of sentient and it's been around long enough to know what humans act like. I mean, monkeys are smart. They're scary, but they're uh, smart. Yeah. Well, it's got this white fur, which oftentimes albino or, or uh, white varieties of animals are considered divine, right? Mm-hmm. And they're but in in nature, they're considered to not be the best survivors. Because oh, yes, that's true. Just because of their lack of melanistic qualities. Yeah, they're easier to pick out. They don't blend in as well to their natural environments. They can be they can be blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the red eyes from albinism uh, that are so prone to macular degeneration. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's probably so good at beating your ass with a sword probably <laughs> points to, like the sculptor said, it's either going to survive or it's not. Mm-hmm. There's not too much lore on it. I think it could be like the progeny of the white ape, or at least similar to the white ape, the the guardian Mm -hmm. ape. It's a very unique design. I just like how Mm -hmm. it has a loincloth, like it's (laughs) self-conscious. Yeah, I don't, I could be wrong. I don't think any of the other monkeys have the loincloth. No, they do not. (laughs) So... I I love this monkey. I love the monkeys here because it speaks to this theme in this valley of it. Like it is a divine place. Like it there, it is a place where the barriers or the borders between different states of being can break down. We go down into the underworld with the serpent and that's very much a breaking down of borders and transformation. Um, But also these monkeys, like we're here at the lowest point where the waters pool, but this is where the monkeys are at their most human. Yes. You know, and we talked about maybe the spirits of the Sempo children are are descending down here and they are uh, collecting in these monkeys and influencing their Probably behavior. where they're dumping the bodies. Oh, no. Oh. No. Oh, that's so upsetting. No. That's exactly what it is. Oh, that's they so probably sad. throw them over the cliff. Yeah. Holy shit. That's so upsetting. And just like the, mat- the giant carp, oh, it ends up down no. here. Oh, no. Oh, oh yep. my God. That's so upsetting. No. <laughs> Cracked it on the head. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a revelation to have in the middle of recording a podcast. Hey, that's gold right ooh. there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, ooh. Yeah. So there. this is a, a place of breaking down boundaries and- uh, uh, we'll get that in the boss in a second, but also what orangutan said, you know, like he says that me and Kingfisher, we were down there and we don't know if we learned more or if the monkeys learned more. And the point is that the learning wasn't happening on one side. You know, when two things come into contact, both of them are changed, even if one seems to be changed much more than the other. Both of them cannot help but be changed by the experience. And this is something that we'll find in uh, the yin yang philosophy, but also in like dialectical materialism or just dialectics as a as a, a philosophical concept that whenever two things come into contact, that friction between them changes both irrevocably. So yeah, it's it's just beautiful. And this this elder monkey, you know, we can pass him by, but 
he is a great lead into, you know, bury the lead here. We're going to talk about the great white monkey, the fucking guardian ape. I think it's cool how grotesque the fucking thing is. Mm-hmm. Like its nails are long. It's ratty. It's matty. It's got a giant bleeding scar mm-hmm. down its face. It's got a sword stuck in its neck. A sword as big or bigger than owls. It's probably Kingfisher's. I think everyone thinks it's... I think everyone agrees that it's Kingfisher's sword. Which I'm like, holy crap, how did Kingfisher fight with this gigantic thing? Maybe she was a big lady. Um, Maybe maybe Seki Joe has a thing for big ladies. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, He's kind of a small guy too, so yeah. <laughs> so going over the dialogue of the... The monkey booze with sculpture. He talks about how he trained the techniques of the shinobi in the valley where the monkeys dwell. We came mm-hmm. to move exactly as monkeys did after a time. And he'd mm. drink monkey booze whenever I he tired of training. I'd listen to the howl of my partner's whistling finger while I drank. It was from this unique ring. Whistling through that ring would fill the valley with a somber melody. Strangely enough, I enjoyed that sound. I listened to it so often. So... It's implied that the monkey ate Kingfisher, which is mm-hmm. so fucked up. But hey, that's monkey things. Monkeys are so fucking scary to me. Like great apes are very scary to me. Oh my God. They're so strong I, pound for pound compared to humans. They're strong and they're smart. They're unpredictable. They're just, they're just intelligent in a not comfortable way. They're not mm-hmm. like dolphins. You know, like dolphins are like we're they're they're very intelligent. We understand their intelligence and our octopi are like that, like cephalopods um, mm-hmm. are cool, are, are cool kind of intelligence. But like monkeys, they're they're like I think it also triggers triggers the uncanny valley where it's like it's not quite human, but it's close. Definitely. There's something about the dark side of humanity, a sinister or trickster intelligence that that lurks behind their eyes. Yeah, this this dude that you fight is I do like the the arena you fight him in. It's a perfect arena for it. It's there's so oh, much space. Dude, it's so great. And it gives you those trees. So you can always even if you can't grapple onto him, you can always grapple towards him or grapple the hell away from him. Yes. It's a very like good arena to be mobile in. It's also got the motherly aspect of Guan Yin over it. The ah. maternal aspect of Guan Yin. Uh, so it that that's where the the guardian ape is kind of moping. He's got some interesting attacks, and it's it's kind of bad that you only realize, hey, um, you can deflect it. It's another big aha moment. Yeah, because it's just these big fists. I'm like, well, it's the size of my body. Well, how am I like, supposed how, to deflect how am that? I not getting pounded into the ground right now? Yeah. He's got a good variations of a variation of attacks, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where some of them, if you slip up enough, you're gonna really get your ass kicked. Um, but he also has the fart attack. He farts at you, and the gas cloud is toxic. A- yeah, and he'll the, shit into his own hand. Shitting and into his hand you. and throwing at you, which is <laughs> I mean, they did their research on monkeys. That's for sure. Throws a giant fucking turd at you. Girl, <laughs> it's yeah. so stupid. But I mean, it's accurate. It's fun. It, it's like technically like, ah, oh, gross. But like monkeys do that. They throw poop at you. The first phase, like it feels like you're fighting a real like animal. It feels like you're fighting. I mean, it does feel like you're fighting an actual ape. Oh, yeah. Beast boss. But then 
and this is this is great if you ever like look up um reactions on youtube to like okay so you you kill it you cut off its head and it does your usual you know your usual victory victory screen. yeah the shinobi execution shinobi thing execution pops up and then the dust it gets, settles it gets up again <laughs> completely headless picks up his head and and takes the fucking sword that was in its neck and and proceeds to fight you. It's so cool. Yeah. I I think I mean I know a lot of people don't like the ape because it's hard, and they it was just such a big road roadblock for people. But what what a what a twist! What a twist! You know to see this thing get up again and fight you in a totally different way. It's like it's almost like two separate bosses. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just gross because it's just it has a couple attacks that are really satisfying you know especially when it's at the end of a combo um if you Mm -hmm. get the deflection right it makes this ringing bell-like sound like it's just the sound of ringing metal and you get to wail on it for a little while yeah uh and it's not just it's really cool because it's not just the the big deflection it's also the environment you're in we have these you know orangutan talking about the whistle echoing through the sunken valley. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of sort of part of the effect of that bell ringing is is the the valley you're in, the resonance. Also, the attack with the ape screaming is very yes. interesting. I don't remember if you can block it with the uh, anything but the divine umbrella, but I definitely do. Another thing you can do, I have not done it yet, but you can take the the spear prosthetic and spirit in the where its head has been severed um and get the centipede out of there yeah if as long it's that big deflection you're talking about with the bell uh uh uh, effect yes uh if you get that deflection and then use the spear yeah you can yank the centipede out which does a lot of damage to it yes and that also points to the fact that that's where the immortality is coming from that the Mm -hmm. it's it at some point consumed centipede eggs Mm -hmm. it's immortal and can't be killed by normal means so of course it gets up again you know so you 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 beat it you actually get the your first i think it's the first immortality severed you get i think Mm -hmm. but you don't get it i don't think you get it there uh i think you get it once you have the mortal blade well because because you when you fight it again in uh at the entrance to mibu Mm -hmm. uh, or the mist woods and you fight it with its partner it's a Mm -hmm. little partner illusion you knock it down but its body doesn't disappear you use the mortal blade and you kill it Mm -hmm. and that's when you get the ring right no no that's um you get the slender finger from killing it the first time where it, it says, oh, right, right, it says right, the right, slender right, finger right. of a young woman found in the belly of the guardian ape. It is partially digested. There's a shinobi technique called the finger whistle that can drive beasts wild. The one who used mm. it before clearly used it for this purpose, as evidenced by the finger's open hole. You get a you get a shinobi technique from that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's bestowal, which is the the thing you can use on like. You can backstab someone and make a blood sword, or you can uh, use one of the, oh, the lizards the to get a poison Oh, yeah, sword. you're right. And then I, I would like to talk about what happens after you use that and you come back again. There's a Shichimen warrior there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which 
is kind of implied to be maybe the spirit or maybe the culmination of yes. spirits that include mm. Kingfisher. Yeah, because it's the spirits of the guardian ape. Uh, the guardian ape has eaten or killed, culminated into one dude. I would like. I, I do want to talk about the malcontent. Oh, from the. I think that's what you get. Yeah, the malcontents. Uh, man. It. Yeah. What. Uh, uh, the. It's like the other part of the actual whistle. Yes, like, you get the malcontents ring. You get the finger ring. from the, yeah, 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 yeah. It says, an old ring well-suited for slender fingers. Kingfisher is engraved on the underside. Can be, um, Wearing this ring as you blow the finger whistle will create a somber tune. The weaving voice is full of solitude and beauty, possibly somber enough to temporarily quell a voice of rage. It's sad, because it's... It's um, so sad. I'm assuming that sculpt the sculptor kind of finds out that way. We bring him... The severed finger, and he's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, he's dead. like, "Well, I always assumed she was dead, but now because I, really I haven't know. seen her in a while." <laughs> yeah, but she. Hold on, because you you actually get dialogue when you give him the finger whistle and the malcontent. So after the finger whistle, it's where'd you get that finger? And you tell him you found it in the belly of the ape. And he said, "I see. To think it was in the belly of the ape. Let me see it. I'll fix it to your prosthetic arm, and then." If you craft the malcontent, it said, listen, that finger whistle I've fixed on your arm. I'm sure it'll play a somber but enjoyable tune. Make sure you use it well. You might have not not have known where she was, um, which is sad. It's very sad. The guardian ape itself, I think, is very sad. And like Sekiro, Sekijo, the orangutan, has uh, our sculptor, has every reason to hate this ape. But I think it's wonderful, the parallels there, right? Because the ape killed... The sculptor's uh, partner, uh, I think, implied to be romantic partner as well, or at least he had feelings for Kingfisher. And the ape itself has lost its mate. Yes. You know, probably because it's immortal and its mate was not immortal. You find you find her bones. And if you go above the arena next to Mibu. Yeah, it's kind of implied that the ape that drops down in the double ape fight is not real. Like, it is another manifestation of uh, the spirits of Ashina, I think. It says, um, with the memory, the guardian ape was defeated, though its roar can still be heard. It is said that an infested Mm. body marks the undying. But further, with the remnant, it says, they say that an infested body is the mark of the undying, but such a long life would surely be quite lonesome for even an ape. Perhaps the echoing roar of the guardian ape was, in fact, a solicitation of sorts. So... I'm not saying this is the exact parallel, but if you've ever seen King Kong, specifically Peter Jackson's King Kong, almost two thirds of the way in the movie, you find out that like he is like living in this sort of graveyard that has the bones of what you can assume to be the rest of his kind. And he's like the only one left is sort of pointing to, you know, even if you are immortal, it's a lonely life. It's lonely. Oh, You're going to see the people die the around worst. you. It's not a good thing. Yeah, that's why the gods do not come live with humans and why humans do not come live with the gods yes. because they live completely different existences. Yes. But uh, the the apis fascinated me because one, it looks very much like the man ape thing in, if you've ever seen uh, Big Trouble in Little China, another John Carpenter film that I fucking love. Yes. The design of this looks a lot like that ape. But also, as I understand it, there were great apes in Japan, but 
they were hunted to extinction by the native peoples. Interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, so this, obviously, they weren't this gigantic, but this may be a, a hint, a nod to that uh, uh, that legacy in Japan, that this was perhaps the last of those apes, um, you know, one that was secreted away in a, a northern place in Ashina. Um, and because it's in Ashina, obviously, it, it it has this case of gigantism, just like everything else here. Um, it's also noted that a lot of the cultural meaning behind monkeys kind of changed over the years. Interesting. Tell me about that. So starting in about the 8th century, they're considered sacred mediators between gods and humans. And then they became a scapegoat metaphor in the in the 13th century, like tricksters. And then in the 17th century, which is possibly where we are, like the very, very early 17th century, it's representing the negative side of human nature. So it, it kind of changed meaning over the years. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. There, There is this certain sense in modernity that we have lost a connection to our primal or primordial selves. We don't want to acknowledge what the beasts that lurk within us, but like we really should. We should you know, respect and uh, honor like the the ape or the monkey inside of us. And it's kind of sad that in the modern age or in, you know, a more contemporary Japanese view that monkeys are seen as this, this, uh, uh, this trickster, this, um, this negative thing, as opposed to, you know, just another part of ourselves that if we don't understand it, it will rule us. Man, yeah, I fucking hated this this boss fight when I first fought it uh, took me a long time. And when when you finally defeat it, it's that sense of relief. And then it getting back up. God, what a heartbreak. And it's this wonderful, like, John Carpenter's The Thing moment where yeah. you thought you knew what you were fighting, but it goes so much deeper than that. It is this alien thing that is inhabiting this body. And that's the actual enemy you're fighting. The ape is really, at this point, just a vessel for the corruption of the centipede. Yes. Um, we kind of learn later in the game that it's more than likely centipedes end up in these low points of Ashina. When we talk about Fountainhead, we can talk about that. But, you know, it's perfectly reasonable for this thing to be infested. Now, <laughs> it appears very briefly in the Hanbei comic. And it's not in the Sunken Valley. It has crawled up from the Sunken Valley. Terrifying. And it, it's a very scary shot. If you actually like read the manga or, or can find a picture of it, it's it's a very scary shot. It's, it's like very like Junji Ito-esque where like, you know, the turning of the page where it's just mm -hmm. this viscerally <laughs> horrifying looking thing. But anyway, you kill it and you go into this cave, which has more irises in it. Woohoo! More Ooh. irises. And it has the Lotus of the Palace in it. And Lotuses are famously are famously Buddhist symbols of mm -hmm. uh, purity, spiritual awakening, and faithfulness. Definitely enlightenment. And it's known to be able to bloom even in the muddiest of waters and the worst of circumstances. Oh. So the fact that it's blooming in such a dingy, dark place, you know, it's it's... 
you can see that. You can see how it happens to be there. But apparently the scent of the lotus is supposed to attract female apes. Okay, a white lotus flower found blooming in the depths of the sunken valley where the fountainhead waters pool deeply. The flower's aroma attracts female apes, thus the guardian ape carefully tended to it so as to offer it to his bride. So he was just trying to cultivate a flower for a first date with a new ape mate. That's sad. But I love the, you know, flourishing or growing in this this dingiest and darkest of places uh, because it, it connects it back to that uh, underworld journey uh, metaphor that we're dealing with, right? Like you have to go to this deep, dark, sunken valley in order to come out of it with this divine knowledge, which is what we're going to use to create this perfume to actually access the divine realm. Mm. Okay, well, this area is very cool. It's cold, but it's also very cool. Uh, the Guardian Ape is a very upsetting boss, but as with most from software things, as you look into it, there is a lot of nuance and storytelling surrounding it, uh, which oftentimes some of these filter bosses or, or, or brick wall bosses can act as a negative experience for a game player. But it can also uh, engender this sense of uh, interest or even obsession with, you know, like, man, I hated that boss. I want to learn everything about it. Yes. Because... You know, I want to know if my journey was worth it or I want to assign some meaning to all of this time I spent learning to overcome this obstacle. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what happened with me and Genitro because Genitro was a hard little boss for me. Oh, and I yeah. want to learn how to beat his ass. And turns out I uh, unfortunately am infatuated with him at this point. So mm-hmm. you always you you hate to see it. You hate to see it, but you love to love to watch it. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, uh, what do you call it? You know, as it turns out, the line between love and hate really oh, is very yeah. thin. You know, yeah, murder, a... murder is sexy, guys. Always remember that. Yeah. <laughs> well, sex and death very <laughs> closely linked. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts about the guardian ape or or the sunken valley itself? Well, I just want to very briefly mention the offshoot that if you go down below the shrine in the beginning of the area if you take the right there's this sort of like area with mounds like burial mounds um and then there is this sort of pool of water that you you have to have the mibu technique for because you go under the water and you meet more burial mounds and there's a headless in there in the lake or in in, in a cave in a cave find. that you get okay. from you 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 surface in the lake and you you emerge and there's head um surrounded by the burial mounds is is a headless and you beat it and you get gokan's spirit fall and it says dedicated burial mounds quietly appease the spirits with severed heads though none called upon them for long the burial mounds are essentially supposed to be appeasing uh prisoner uh not prisoners were people who died in war and might not be able to find rest very easily um ah. specifically the images on the headstones are Jizo, the adult aspect of Jizo, and he's supposed to basically light the way and liberate you from hell and you're it's supposed to kind of you see a lot of statue of him statues of him in, in graveyards and it's to keep the dead on a more virtuous path to uh reincarnation or what have you 
so it, the shape, it, it says shape of the mounds is suggestive of a stupa, which originally were mounds meant to house artifacts of the Buddha, but became more broadly a devotional object, which someone could build or pay to build in order to accumulate karmic merit. The fact that there is a headless there means it's not doing its job because it's supposed to appease a spirit and it's not doing it very well because it's <laughs> the headless is there. Oh, well, I thought maybe that's why the headless stays there and it doesn't just roam around Ashina. Um, a lot of the times ghosts are specifically on Ryo, which are vengeful, very vengeful, dangerous ghosts in Japan, mm-hmm. are attached to specific sites. They are they're attached to sites where very strong feelings are or like whether the spirit has them or another person has them. So like whether that's where they died Obviously, Kingfisher did not die in the cave with the headless ape. She died mm-hmm. in the valley, but her spirit is in that cave because it's with the associated feeling of, you know, being freed and not knowing where to go. So they accumulate and turn into a, a malicious spirit. Ah, okay. So it being attached to one place makes sense because it's it's almost like being bound a little bit there, but. It almost feels like it might be another spirit that because even though it's like a corrupted hero, it could be like more than one because these burial mounds are supposed to be for spirits of people who didn't quite make it home, uh, severed heads specifically. Mm -hmm. So it's just more it was just more of a way to, you know, appease it, but obviously not so much because it's still there. If -hmm. it was doing its job, it wouldn't be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's at the very head of. The Sunken Valley. Yeah, that it's optional, but it's it's a cool bit of information. Also, also when it's sundown, there's a ton of samurai spirits in that area. Oh, so they're not appeased either. Nope. Um, but that's just so fascinating because that means that we begin. It's optional, you know. It's this extra little piece of lore, but right at the the mouth of the Sunken Valley, the mouth of the underworld, mm-hmm. which is guarded over by this adult Jizo uh, aspect, right? It starts, we start and end our journey with a headless. Yes. Right? Like the ape has its head on, blah, 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 blah. But like the, the ape itself is really no more. It's really the centipede that's controlling it. So it is this headless uh, uh, protector, uh, which like, oh my gosh, that parallelism is awesome that we bookend the area with these headless enemies. Yes. But also that we have this mention of, uh, sorry, I might have said Jizo. Is it Jizu? Jizo. Jizo, Jizo, okay. Um, we have this Jizo aspect uh, at the mouth guiding us in at you know through our uh, underworld journey or maybe a light to look for when we're trying to ascend back out of it. Also, the uh, uh, one last thought I had, which I can't believe I, I almost forgot to put this in, but it may not be directly related, but the guardian ape definitely reads to me like, uh, an allusion to um, Sangoku, right? Of of uh, Journey to the West. Um, uh, this monkey king. Sun Wukong. Sun Wukong. Yeah, Sun Wukong. M- mostly because of the proximity of him to these Buddhist statues mm-hmm. or these Bodhisattva statues. Because, as I understand it, uh, a lot of that story has to deal with vanquishing a false god, a false Buddha, and and bringing it back to the the old teachings. But yeah, anyways, this 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 is a really cool area. I really get a kick out of it. I think the storytelling here is phenomenal. 
the epiphany moments you can have if you spend the time to look around it, you know, like it, it's just wonderful. It's got a lot of visual storytelling to it. Absolutely. Um, and just the sense of grandeur, all of those holy crap moments, you know, coming out of the door and then seeing the snake or coming into the valley proper with all the bodhisattvas and seeing this wide open space, uh, uh, wall to wall with these statues and populated by this civilization of monkeys. Right. Well, we're we're chugging right along here. Uh, and I think the next time we get together, we're going to have we're going to talk about we're going back to Ashina Castle, mm-hmm. if, if I'm right. Yes. And we're going to talk about uh, the invasion of the inner ministry. That'll be fun because that that has that presents new cool enemies. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And some color schemes and enemies we haven't had before. And of course, the return of someone that we, we really wish we had. Yeah. We, we, we thought we wouldn't <laughs> yeah. have to see again. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, tune in the next time. All right. Pen, pen, pals. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.